Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome to the Education on Fire podcast network. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. There comes a time in every person's life when you realise it's not about doing what you are told, but doing what you know is right for you. Let us take a journey of learning and discovery with the world's most successful people who are living the life of their dreams, walking through life using their inner wisdom and being of service to others. Forget exams, grades and test scores. What is your purpose? As we let go of what we think should be and learn from our elders to gain knowledge, inspiration and a true sense of who we are. What are your dreams? Does your life have meaning? Are you living a life of significance? Let's talk with today's guest. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome back as we spend some more time together on the Learning on Fire podcast. Um, Today I'm talking to Karen Beardy. Hi Karen, thanks for joining me and let's explore the journey of who you are. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Can you give us a bit of an idea of of where you're living, where you are in the world and the sorts of things that you're, you're into in your professional life at the moment? Yeah, so I would probably define myself as a global citizen. I am from Sweden originally, um, but I lived most of my life abroad. So I grew up in the States when I was younger, and then I went to high school in China, of all places. (laughs) Um, And then I went to university back in Sweden, and then I lived in the UK for a couple of years after that to uh, work at an investment bank in London. Um, But uh, having done that a couple of years, I found myself wanting to, well, go back to my roots in Sweden, but also to work with something that perhaps had slightly more meaning than investment banking did. <laughs> so I found myself coming back to Sweden and joining where I now work, which is a education startup company based here in Sweden called Cognity, where we're trying to radically improve learning for students through the use of technology with most particularly the, the our current product is an intelligent textbook that has interactive content, but also utilizes data to feed back to students on their strengths and weaknesses. Um, uh, on their own individual learning journey, basically, and it's been a fantastic journey with it. We've uh, we launched 2015, and we're now in 90 countries. So, it's been um, a startup journey worth worth being on, uh, with its challenges, of course. Um, but it's it's interesting to see how life takes you in different directions versus what you might have thought when you were younger or in your early parts of your career, at least. <laughs> Absolutely, and and, and I think. What I love about this sort of combination of sort of a personal interview and the, and the professional background as well is that from, for those of us listening, especially if we're we're still at school or we're, we're still in the, all the learning process or education basis, the fact that what you think the system looks like or the way that you learn can be so different depending on your outlook and what you actually come across in your experiences. And that's something which has come across a lot, especially in recent podcasts in, in terms of how people have actually gone about learning. And of course, with the internet and all those things out there now, the world is your oyster literally at your fingertips isn't it it is and i think we're very much moving from a knowledge or fact-based society to a learning society whereby if you look back 50 years maybe the person who had the most uh, advantage or power even in a society was the person with the most facts and able to recall those and, and learn new facts as well but that's not really the main skill anymore for for many people of course facts and knowledge are still going to be the base of everything uh, but you it, it's much more about how do you learn new skills how do I acquire those how do you put them together how are you with critical thinking how do you work in a team what's your ability to analyze those uh, facts for example so we're, I mean we always talk about global competencies and, and how important they're going to be but 
we need to shift our focus from facts to learning uh, in a very rapid pace because the world is changing as we know quicker and quicker and so I think you're completely right about that yeah and, and I love the sort of the the I guess it's the non-symmetry of the fact that so much of this learning we can now do on our own through sort mm-hmm. of interactions with various programs and organizations online and yet like you say some of the key skills that we also need as well as having all of that ability is the mm-hmm. fact of working together and problem solving and working in groups and all the things that we also know that business are crying out for in terms of the sorts of skills they want like you say not the fact-based knowledge where you can just get your smartphone out and find out almost anything you need instantaneously but actually the skills have been able to to learn on your own but then also being able to work in a community and in a team to therefore move those ideas forward yeah exactly and i think if you know so um our textbooks are pretty advanced and the i've met probably five six hundred schools around the world during my time here and almost all the teachers ask pretty much the same question which is are you trying to replace me and and our answer is always no we're trying to make you irreplaceable because so much of what the teacher's role has become has been drowning in sort of administration marking attendance um it's just not really leveraging the skills and the competency of the teacher which in our opinion still is the most valuable resource that the school has because they can if their time is spent correctly be a fantastic guide to the student Uh, and a coach a mentor help the students develop these skills that we're talking about that are quite difficult for students to acquire by themselves unless they have that guidance but so much of the schooling system now is fake focused on results and exams and getting into university, et cetera. And that trickles down to what the teachers are focusing on and therefore the fact that the system is just not supporting students learning these skills. So that's why I also think things like extracurricular um, activities, working in projects, organizations, playing sports in a team, instrument, whatever it is, these are indirect ways of building those skills as well that you might not necessarily get in the current schooling setup as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. All the, all those things are incredibly important. And I'm I'm interested because you, you have so much experience with so many different schools and also, like you say, globally, not just within the UK or Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, can, you can understand the teacher's concern about the being replaced. Um, and, and like I say, once you can sort of dispel the fact that's not the case, then, then that sort of, I guess, brings a sigh of relief. But uh, uh, is there also still some kind of concern about the fact that like you said, it's more of a coach, it's more of a mentor, it's more of a guiding light, really, rather than the more traditional sense of the teacher, like you say, imparting knowledge. And and is there a, a little bit of a fear factor that comes across in there as well, which I think for those of us listening who are students, and that's quite an interesting thing to think about in terms of your relationship with your teacher and the fact that they may be feeling the same sorts of things that you do as a student when you're sort of the system is changing a little bit, but yeah. no one's quite sure where it's heading or, or, or the best path forward. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think the teachers are, are they're not being a fair, given a fair, um, how do I put this, a fair chance, really, because the technology is involving so much around them. And technology has touched almost all verticals in society apart from education, uh, really. And students are now so immersed in it and so fluent in it. They always talk about being digitally native, uh, the generation that's coming up now. And I think we're, we're seeing what that actually means when those two sort of um, generations clash, because uh, a student is so used to going on the phone and checking a fact or learning something on YouTube. For example, one billion views 
every single day on YouTube have something to do with learning, whether it is how Kim Kardashian applies mascara, which maybe is not that relevant, <laughs> to how do I fix this tire on my car. You know, it's everything. And so it's just a very submersive relationship that students have with it. Whereas teachers, it's an extra thing. It's a new thing that they're not as well versed in or as skilled in as the students. And if you look at the traditional way a school environment is, you know, a teacher has authority from several different aspects. But one of those aspects is that they have more knowledge than a student. And in a situation where a teacher might not feel that they have more knowledge than the student does, for example, when it comes to the use of technology, then that can be scary for a teacher as well because they might feel that they won't have the respect of the students or similar and I think that is the responsibility of the school management and also of education technology companies like ourselves because what often happens is you know teachers get given uh, Chromebooks or laptops and they're told to use them and they get 15 different logins to different programs uh, and they don't know what talks to what or what is pedagogically based or what is based on the curriculum and then they sit there and they try to figure it out and at the end of the day because it's such a high workload and they want to spend their time with the students not learning how to try to get programs to talk to each other they say i you know what i'm just going to go back to what i've done before because i know that this works and it might not be the best way of doing it but it's what i know um, and therefore it sort of creates a vicious spiral as well when it comes to introducing technology to schools because teachers are not giving training on it and they just need to figure it out. So, I mean, I think that's also where school management comes in. They need to think about a holistic uh, approach to this. You know, what, what, is, what does our school want to do with technology? It's not about buying five VR sets <laughs> and then hoping that GCSE results improve. You know, it has to be, you have to have much more thought out purpose. And for companies like ours, we need to take responsibility and train teachers, train students on how to leverage technology and its impact. I think that's really, really insightful, and and I and I and I think that sort of community of of everybody working together, which I think is a very positive one. You like to say whether it's companies, businesses, um, the, with the way the training comes about, the school management and the leaders, it is that collective. We're all working together to sort of meander our way through to see how this new looking system is and, and whether we mm-hmm. think there should be a very swift change or whether it's a very gradual change the change is definitely happening whether we like it or not and um and i think like i say having guiding lights and open conversations like we're having now i think just opens the door enough for people to say oh yeah i can feel the difference i can see it and i can also see it from both sides and and i think that sort of hand holding i think is probably the most supportive way forward yeah, and I think I, mean, I think it would be amazing if a teacher got up in front of their classroom and said, "Okay, you know what? Let's today let's flip the classroom. <laughs> let's uh, go in and you th- students have to teach me how to use this piece of technology, because then the students need to work on the skills we talked about before. So they need to collaborate. They're going to come up with a lesson plan or um, a, a five slide." A tutorial on something so they need to think think about how to work together they need to do a project plan and uh, they need to think about how they're going to implement it and uh, they need to talk think about how they're going to communicate this in a way that the teacher understands it so all of a sudden you're embedding lots of skills that you wouldn't necessarily do and at the same time you're sort of de-stigmatizing or de-dramatizing the fact that the students know more about technology often not always but often than teachers do uh, so I think if we just sort of open up or and sort of let uh, the the norms or what how things usually are done 
fall down then i think we can do a lot of interesting things actually yeah i think it's amazing is a thought and and one of the things i say to to my children is the fact that i don't necessarily know the right answers or even know what's best for you but what i do have is the experience of seeing lots of different things and therefore what we can try and create and what we can try and implement is based on that um Mm. and and i think that's exactly the sort of thing we're talking about here We, we know the sorts of things that students need to learn we know the types of skills we know the fact that things are changing that kind of experience is what we have as educators but actually the the, the nitty-gritty of of what that is and how that looks like like you say it can be led by the students and can be moved around in such a way that it's very exciting for them it's given them the skills they need and, I, and I, it sounds like a really exciting idea and, and i hope mm-hmm. people embrace it more and more and more yeah, I hope so too. And, it, and there's so many different things you can do with it as well. You know, you can have find ten YouTube videos on this and um, figure out which ones are credible and which aren't, as an example. Because then you learn about critical thinking as well and checking your facts, especially in this uh, environment that we're in. You need to know that skill. So there's a lot of cool stuff to yeah. do. Yeah, I think I think it's brilliant. And and if if you're a student listening, I suggest that get them to listen to this podcast and then maybe that could be your discussion point to start to see how you, how you, can, how you can take take control yeah. and flip it and change it into in your school or your 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 community wherever you're learning um so this question i'm really interested in because of your background like saying all your traveling but what does your life look like now and how is it different from when you were growing up oh it's uh... It's, it's such a hard question to answer because I've always sort of, when I was younger and I was living abroad, they, I was between six and 11 years old when I lived in the States. Um, and then I came back to Sweden when, between I was 11 and 15 and then to China when I was 15 to 19. So I've seen three very different places, you know, sort of socialist Sweden, as mm-hmm. it's called, the very capitalist US. And funnily enough, even more capitalist China, even though it's a communist state. Um, yeah, and so, you know, the, the environment has always um, been that of a, a of a changing factor, which I think has shaped my life tremendously. Because I think exposing yourself or being exposed to different um, backgrounds, to different cultures, to different uh, types of states or governments, uh, to different religions, cultures, languages, everything like that, it just forces you to become a a more well well-rounded I would say but also open-minded person which I realize now is one of the greatest strengths I have uh, because you, and you don't, it's it's so hard to quantify that or put a value on it but my ability now to see uh, a, the big picture and to identify two or three gaps for example I think is a direct correlation with the fact that I've been forced to be so open-minded and look at hol- things holistically rather than narrow-mindedly um, and so I think my life has taken um, in that sense a different approach because I underestimated that skill and so I am able to now work in jobs or and, and have friends and do um, hobbies that I wouldn't necessarily have thought I would have simply because of that skill that I was underappreciating, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and I think it's a real gift, isn't it? Because there are lots of people when you're growing up or you you see the world through telly and the internet these days you know you know there's something out there but your experience can be very very small based on 
the the small town you live in or your, like say your sort of community around you and you know other things are happening but your experience stays the same and I think to have that opportunity to actually live in so many different scenarios to like say it gives you all of that understanding but also you can sort of feel that it can be different and, and I hope that as, as, as these podcasts go through people start to hear sort of that sort of correlation of how you can make that different whether it happens to be reading some of the resources that people share listening to the stories of everyone's backgrounds that actually you do have the control to be able to do that yourself no matter what your limitations and if you're lucky enough to travel the world when you're younger and study all over the place then then you have that immediately but also you like you say you can take a little bit of control about how you then implement that in your life yeah you can and i think just because i I saw lots of people in my environment when i was growing up like that who didn't take advantage of it you know who just chose to stay with the same people or same type of people or same people from the same nationality and i think that's quite human nature in the sense if you look at sort of human needs one of the most important or the most prevalent needs is that of security and um and sort of predictability the fact that we're able to we feel comfortable when we sort of know what's happening and I myself do that all the time as well and I don't necessarily it takes me a while to push my boundaries sometimes etc but that's if I sort of can uh, give a, a piece of advice what I'm trying to learn and work with every day is to take active ownership of pushing yourself because yeah it is really scary not to be surrounded by exactly the same people who think like you and might disagree with you or uh, think that your views are 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 not what their views are or might have done things differently but it's only like that that you will grow and it's when you start to to see that you're growing that it becomes super inspiring to grow even more and so i think it's about i mean even if you're in a just a small town somewhere um you can still have that experience even though you are still in that town. It all comes down to how you approach it. And if you sort of approach life with a learning mindset um, and also work, which I've had to do a lot in my life, work with sort of controlling your ego. And I think ego is one of those things that our society at the moment is it's going a bit out of control because of social media and how everything's being measured and controlled and um, compared and everything like that. I think the ability to work with one's ego and lose sort of lose the importance of ego <laughs> uh, is one of the most important skills you can have. And and I think those two are very tightly correlated, being able to sort of lose your ego versus um and having a learning mindset and challenging yourself and putting yourself in in new environments, those two are very highly linked, I would say. So that's something I I work with and and still struggle with every day. Yeah, like I say, I think those things, they're an ongoing awareness, aren't they? And and I think just, um, that's why I love these conversations, because it just suddenly broadens your whole concept of, of what you're trying to do, what you're trying to learn, the fact that we are growing and you have a choice about how that goes. And and I just find that very, very exciting. Yeah. What was valuable about your school experience? I really liked school. It was um, well, it was highs and lows as it always is. I came to a point um, during my high school where I let the stress get the better of me, and I basically had to take a month or two off to recuperate because I sort of hit the infamous wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but once I learned to 
structure things differently and uh, approach it in a different way, then school became super enjoyable. And I would say that, so I, I studied the International Baccalaureate, which is the international equivalent of the A-levels, basically. And that you, it's a program that you study all around the world. Um, and it just gives you an extremely global mindset and a broad mindset. Um, and that was absolutely life defining for me and school in general is life defining because it's an environment where you have the privilege of um, just learning <laughs> uh, and uh, I think those times become so fleeting you know when you're a bit older like I am now I just turned 34 uh, two days ago and when you're a bit older you sort of I realize that even though I'm learning it's in a lot less structured way. And my learning, even though I'm, I'm still doing it, it's definitely tapered off versus the levels you I was doing when you were in school where your brain was just a sponge and you were able to absorb and take in new information and apply it in a completely different way. And I'm sort of sad that the way our society is structured, it's uh, learning is not something that comes automatically. And it's not something that we always talk about lifelong learning, but what does that actually mean? Most start, most stop actually learning in a sort of active way when they graduate from from A levels or university, if you go on to that. And I think that's one of the biggest shames because you just miss, or I at least miss that learning environment where the only purpose for you is to learn. Uh, when you get into work scenarios, etc., etc., it's a lot more about learning to achieve something else whereas in school it's about learning yeah and i think those i think those conversations are really important aren't they because i have um when, when i'm teaching music and i've got some music students who are going to music college and that kind of thing and one of the things i remember from looking back to when i was there was the fact that it's the only time when you've got the amount of structure the amount of facilities the amount of um immediateness of everything happening around you um it, almost in your entire professional life because as you then sort of graduate and then you have to earn a living and then you might have a family and your time structures and, and your focuses start to change you never get that time back where your whole world is sort of immersed in this wonderful world of study and, and learning yeah. and whatever your passion happens to be um and i find it a really interesting concept of course because it's quite hard to get that across to someone younger when they're just in the middle of it but that experience of seeing it in hindsight is something which I think is really important to try and get across and I'm, I'm still never quite sure whether how, how I've managed that. No and I, I agree and I think it's so sad that that's where we are <laughs> in society that it's like that but I completely agree and I also think it's really sad that when you're in it like I said I, I almost burnt out and, and, and couldn't sort of complete school but I did but you know it's it's sad that the way that schooling is is structured at the moment you know there's a reason we say that school's well, there's a saying, at least, that schools kill creativity. <laughs> um, and it's because we, we've structured it in in this sort of very industrial way whereby you need to perform, you need to learn to get grades to get into university to get a job. That's sort of the pecking order of learning, whereas learning is at the sort of bottom of that to, to achieve something else. And, you know, I always just think about, and we try to push for, how how can we create or design a learning environment in school that's much more about the actual learning and think that you know the results or outcomes or things like that will will, will come by itself uh, at a later stage? I think 
you sort of remove a bit of the charm with learning mm-hmm. by having it so grade focused and results focused and and sort of next step focused in school. So I'm mean, told to the students that are listening, I completely feel the fact that you're overwhelmed probably with all the work and and exams, etc. And I just hope you can take a minute every now and then to enjoy the experience for for what it is without being too afraid about the end results because at the end of the day things will work out and that's one of the things i wish that i had known when i was younger uh, and i probably will be saying this about myself today in five years time because <laughs> every age has its own worries but life has a tendency to work itself out and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't apply yourself and work hard and do the best you can and live a life of passion but at the end of the day, you can't really control the outcome as much as you think you can. And you definitely can't control the future. And you probably will spend more time worrying about it than is warranted. At least I've done that. And I think it's it's human nature to do that. And what we think is what we become. Uh, so I wish that I would have taken my study years to enjoy learning more and be confident that that in itself would lead to some great future, which it has. But I didn't know that then. Yeah, absolutely. And I always just think back to the, the the toddler trying to walk, and it's that kind of. There's no structure there. You don't you don't decide when that's going to be. You don't put a framework in place. There's just an innate idea and understanding that this is something that will happen, and and you can see it when when you see a toddler trying to walk. And I just think if we can just harness the essence of knowing that's true within the education system then the whole thing would just change overnight and it's, yeah. <laughs> but like I say it's an interesting concept to allow that kind of natural learning to happen within that understanding of how we can do it and as we almost go full circle with that you know the fact that as experienced people we know that we can create an environment to give them that freedom you know we wouldn't put our child in the road to learn we'd put them in a safe environment but we don't then teach them how to walk and how to yeah. do those things and, and yeah. Uh, yeah it's a it's a but very interesting there are a lot of things are going to happen in society that will change you know the rise of, of gig workers so people who don't really work for a corporation but work for themselves as a consultancy or, or similar also the fact that some of the more advanced companies I want to come in this field especially a lot of the tech companies um, they're starting to hire not based on where you went to university but rather what skills do you have um, and I think those are two quite important changes because Hopefully, I mean, I, th- I personally think that one of the most limiting factors in changing education is that universities have so much power when it comes to saying that a person is skilled or not. <laughs> um, that it sort of, and that's what creates the whole value chain that, okay, you know, we want to get a great job. That means you have to go to one of these 15 universities. And to get into those, you have to have these grades. And to get that, you need to do that in A-levels. To do that, you need to do that in GCSE. And then we're down to the fact that you need to basically, when you're born, be registered to the right preschool or whatever it is. And I just find that insane. Uh, And what if that social structure starts to change? What if in the future, uh, 50% uh, of everyone uh, is forecasted to work with a gig economy, but work for themselves? that all of a sudden it comes much more about what skills can you demonstrate versus do you have a degree or not same thing with corporations if if companies like ours starts to hire not well based on where you went to university but rather can you pass this uh, test that we have which is skills based then the whole structure will change um and i think that's something that today's students should be very um welcoming towards and also have keep in mind that having good grades will not necessarily get you the same 
type of position that you did before uh, or, or sort of guarantee your, your future in the same way it did probably when our parents were growing up um, because it's a different world out there. Once again, we come, back, come down to the fact it's not about facts or how much you can repeat, but rather how much can you learn and how can you apply that. And if you can demonstrate that in different parts of your life, I think you'll be very well placed to get jobs or to get um, opportunities in this new modern world that we're living in. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think also it that's an exciting thing to to listen to, and a, and a, and a, a, a kind of a real expanse, and, and and I would say it's like a growth mindset. You know, the fact that anything's possible based on those things, and so um, hopefully all of those, all of us listening to those sorts of wisdom there, you can sort of sense that ah, yeah, I can see my life taking shape in some form or another mm-hmm. just by the feeling of what that's like, like I say, rather than the, the heavy burden of kind of, if I don't get an A next week then that's it, my career is over before I've even started it. and I think that also in that sort of more social sense changes the way that we are from a mental health point of view and how we feel about learning and then all that's sort of got a positive reaction to it. Yeah, and I think, but don't get me wrong, it does place a lot of responsibility on this on on the individual because, all of a sudden, if we see sort of school as as you know, it's not been a conveyor belt, but it's been very structured in terms of how you should go about things. Uh, when it comes to crafting your own skills or passions or interests, there there's a lot more individual responsibility on that on a person when it comes to that no one's going to tell you or force you to go get a hobby <laughs> that then can become uh, your career but i think that's where sort of where your energy where your focus goes your energy flows is a saying and i think that's so true i mean just look at where what are you spending your time on what sort of makes you that a bit more excited and if you start to find something in areas of your life where time sort of just flies by well then maybe that's a sign and maybe look at investing in that how can you continue to grow within that field are there opportunities in this field um and start to think about those aspects as well not saying they shouldn't focus on school because of course that's super important but i think there's so many different avenues to look at it yeah it just comes back to that whole community field doesn't it of organization businesses parents schools all working in a slightly different way but working together which i think yeah it's exciting for me i think i think that there's great there's great excitement and understanding in in how that can work are you a teacher looking for support to create and develop music in your school we have created primary music on fire taking the fear out of teaching by giving you the step-by-step skills and ongoing support you need If you're a homeschooling parent and would like the opportunity to learn an instrument with your child on our five-day challenges, all of this is available through Primary Music on Fire. Go to educationonfire.com forward slash primary hyphen music and sign up to the newsletter. That's educationonfire.com forward slash primary hyphen music. Which teachers do you remember and why? I remember the teachers who respected me at the same time pushed me because they thought I could do more. So it's highly infuriating when you think you've done a good job and you (laughs) turn that piece of paper in or that project in and they say, great, and this is on paper really well done, but I know you can do do more. (laughs) And at the time, those were very annoying. but those are the ones who made you grow, um, and those are the ones that respect that that respect you as well because they respect the fact that you probably have even more skills than what you're showing. Um, so I would encourage everyone to to sort of find or identify those teachers who 
who push you and not in a negative way saying that you're bad but rather in a positive way saying you can do more because you have this and this ability or I believe in you or I think that I've, I've seen this in you if you work towards it then I think you can reach this level or whatever it is I think it's just a great skill for a teacher to uh, constantly push students slightly out of their comfort zone um, and force them to think they can be more than they are because often society is a limiting place rather you know we think oh I can't do this because of this I don't I have this um, background so I can't do that um, I don't have the education enough to do that or whatever it is I mean society is quite limiting it's in its beliefs and I think if you find people teachers especially in, in, in the younger ages that can um, push you to change that mindset from I can't to I can then I think you will benefit immensely yeah I absolutely agree and, and it almost um, reinforces what we were saying just a moment ago isn't it the fact that what that does is it then makes the the student look inwardly and gives them a bit of responsibility within that structure and I think that that working together I think is um is is really key to to fulfilling everyone's potential and I think that from a teacher's point of view as well as the student's point of view and I think that's a it's a really interesting way of looking at it and it's so just so much more exciting <laughs> as a student thinking that ah okay I know I can do that. I'm just going to push a bit harder and I can do that and that and it's an exciting goal to achieve rather than feeling like you're sort of just drudging along or struggling to make uh, to make the bare minimum because that is not very ins- exciting or inspiring uh, but when you have people who believe in you and, and sort of push you to achieve it then you want to show yourself as well that you can do it and that's a great motivating factor and rather than have an external motivating factor if you find that intrinsic internal motivation that's when things really start to happen yeah absolutely brilliant who did you admire when you were young mm, my father um, but that's probably a quite a common thing. But he was uh, he managed to combine having a great career while being a super humble, warm-hearted, family-oriented guy. <laughs> and I think that that's quite rare. Uh, so he definitely inspired me to want to be the same um, in, in terms of both having a good career and applying myself, but also not losing sight of mm, core values and not losing sight of treating people with respect and having a smile on your face and not letting sort of the stress of work or life uh, get you down. And he always says a brilliant thing. He says, you know, whenever I start to worry about something or I ask him if he's worrying about something, for example, now, a classic example last week, he had to have some, like a mole removed and they need to test it to see if it's something uh, dangerous or not. And I asked him, oh, are you not worried? Are you, what, what's going to happen? What if it comes back wrong? And he's like, I have no worries in the world. Why would I worry about something I can't control? <laughs> uh, and so he's happy camper right now. And he says, if you get the results and they're negative, then I'll start to worry. But there's no point in doing it now. And that's such an important skill because so much of our mind is wrapped up in uh, trying to predict negative outcomes and prevent them. And most of the time, that those don't happen. I was given a great um, exercise to do uh, a couple of years ago on this exact thing, whereby every day that's a worry comes up. Um, oh, what if this doesn't happen? Or what if that person doesn't come? Or what if that uh, uh, result isn't good enough? What if, all these things you had just going around in your head. I was asked to write them down. And then these were the major worries I had that day. And then two weeks later, I was asked to go back and look at them. Nine 
out of 10 of them didn't happen. Uh, and the one that did happen wasn't as big of a worry as my mind had made it up to be. <laughs> so what I'm trying to learn on that is there's no point in worrying about things that might or might not happen. Just focus on what you can control today. Uh, that's the only thing you can work on. And then the rest will come. I think that's right. And I think also the positivity in that as well probably mitigates the chance of anything bad happening as well. Like I say, I mean, you don't know the future. You don't know how things are going to be. But I think that mindset and that that feeling that everything's going to happen for the best or it's going to be, it's working for you, just changes the whole dynamic of how you show up in the world. And that just makes such a big difference in the outcomes, like you say, on a daily basis when you're thinking about all of those things. Yeah. What was the best piece of advice you've ever been given and who gave it to you? So apart from the, that that we just talked about, um, I think the best piece of advice that I've been given recently is from uh, a seminar I attended last week in London, which was with Tony Robbins, um, who some people might know from the Netflix documentary, I'm Not Your Guru, uh, but he's basically a life coach, I would say. Uh, who is just super inspiring and empowering um, to to listen to. So I definitely recommend him to anyone who's interested in sort of personal growth. But he just constantly reinforces the fact that your brain is so tremendously powerful and we have the ability to use it much more than we are because the brain cannot tell the difference between what we think uh, or imagine or believe versus what reality is, speaking of what we just talked about. Yeah. So the you know, exercise he did with us was, um, you know, imagine, so yeah, there was 12,000 people in the room and he had us all close our eyes. And you guys can do this now as well, but close your eyes and imagine that you have a lemon in your hand and uh, you take this lemon and you put it to your mouth and maybe you just lick it a bit in the beginning. And now imagine that you're uh, taking the, the lemon in your mouth and you're biting into it and the juices start to flow around in your mouth. And then you take an even bigger bite of the lemon and you start to chew it maybe and you feel the lemon really just filling your mouth. Now, how many people are salivating right now? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm salivating talking about it. And this is probably the fifth time I do this exercise. And in that room, 12,000 people's hands went up. But no one was holding a lemon, and yet everyone was salivating. And the, the reason he did that was just to get us to realize that the brain believes what we tell it. And if you can start to leverage your mind in a positive way, in an empowering way, in a believing way, um, then what you can accomplish is so much bigger and, and so much more than you think is possible because you're tricking it in a positive way rather than the standard, which is tricking it in a negative way. So that's the best piece of advice I've gotten, that to, to start to really critically examine your thoughts and how um, limiting your thoughts are often, uh, and thinking that you're not good enough or, or things like that, which is something I've done for a long time in my life, and changing that. Uh, and if you start to change it, you start to believe it. And if you believe it, then it becomes a reality. And therefore, you can all of a sudden achieve things you thought were impossible just a couple of you know, weeks or months ago just by changing what you're thinking. Yeah. And, and like I say, I mean, almost everyone listening is going to 
you can taste that lemon just just yeah. but just by having having listened to you talk about that and I think for me certainly as well was the fact that you can feel the power of that or well, now I'm very aware of exactly what I'm thinking in that moment and yes. it opens the door to oh but what am I thinking when I'm not thinking about it and like you say those negative thoughts you then you then see them for what they are and you can understand it you're you're reinforcing all that negativity possibly as well as the positivity and actually just being aware of exactly where you are in your thoughts and what you do believe about yourself mm-hmm. and then you think oh and now the world really is my oyster because I can make that change because I'm yeah. just aware of it and I can make that difference in my own life and it's hard it's super hard because our brain is still you know we've gone through years and years and years of evolution but our brain is virtually unchanged versus what it was when we were hunters in the you know in the savannah many 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 hundreds and thousands of years ago whereby we always had to be on constant alert to see if there was a uh, an animal going to attack us soon <laughs> so we were constantly living in this period of stress uh, and anxiety of survival but we're no longer in that no animal has attacked me as far as I know and I don't think there's a risk when I leave work today that I will be attacked <laughs> but yet our brain is wired like that to constantly anticipate the fear and anticipate what could go wrong and that's what we need to try to actively take control over and what advice would you give your younger self yeah, we've talked a lot about it, but trusting and belief that life will work out in whatever way possible, um, or in rather in whatever way is right for you. There's been so many periods of my life where I thought, well, especially when it, in areas of life where it's easy to compare, uh, and we've touched upon many of those, but how good your grades are, how quickly you got your first job, how um, uh, how quickly you get married, how quickly you have children, how much money you're making, how big your house is, how um, much did your watch cost, all those things that are just, uh, in a sense, absolute and relative at the same time mm-hmm. uh, are just because something is good for one person does not mean it's good for you. And... And just because you see one path to what you think is happiness does not mean that it will make you happy. Um, you know, and, and something I always, I was told is if you look at, often what we do, you know, we, we look at something else or someone else and we build up a mental image of that person's life must be perfect. <laughs> when they're on holiday in some fancy place that you want to be and you think about all the great ways that their life is perfect versus yours. And um what I was taught to do is say, okay, but you can't just switch one part of your life. Look at the holistic aspect. Would you want to, so say you're envious of your friend's, uh, I don't know, vacation that they're taking. Uh, would you want to change your entire life with that person? So take on all the things that they have that are good, but also all the things they have in their life that are not so good. And when I started doing that exercise, I realized most of the time I was pretty happy with the life I was leading. Because yes, there are of course things that I wish I had more of or I could do better or or things like that. But when I looked at the life I was leading holistically, I was actually, there were actually very, very, very few people in this world that I wanted to change life with. And that became quite a comforting fact for me that I'm on the path that I'm supposed to be. um, And the aspects that I want to improve or change I have the power to do that but to sort of be accepting um, and mindful of the the path that I'm on and that that's the right one for me and trusting that things will come in the right time and in the right way to suit my life 
and not then forgetting your own responsibility in it, but trusting that another person's path is not necessarily the right one for you. Yeah, I think that's really, really key and really, really important. And and the thing I like that you just touched on there towards the end was the fact that the timing of it and how it works out is something which is so crucial. And I personally find myself being quite impatient about lots of things mm-hmm. and, and just being able to take a deep enough breath or step back enough to actually see the bigger picture to think, ah, oh, now, and I guess that comes with experience as well, doesn't it? When you can sort of see around it and some of the things that you thought didn't happen that you should have done or a negative experience, which turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to yeah. you is just something is really key to understand. It is, yeah. And I think one other thing that Tony Robbins um, said a lot was, you know, his his life sort of motto is to take the worst day of your life or what you think is the worst day of your life and make it the best day. So things that happen to you Uh, are actually happening for you you know imagine that life is happening to you that everything that you perceive as negative or going against you or whatever it is is actually something that that you can change and and turn into something positive if you learn from it if you grow from it if you apply from it so that's what I try to do that I try to be sort of appreciative of uh, everything that life throws (laughs) at me or to me (laughs) Um, because then you know you can never control what happens to you it's completely impossible. The only thing you can control is your reaction to it. And so if you focus on that instead, and like you said, making your worst day your best day and turning that into an advantage, then you will get far more um, fulfillment in your life. And you'll probably get further as well when it comes to goals or whatever it is, if you have that mindset versus one of thinking that life is against you. Yeah, I absolutely agree. couldn't agree more. What does your future look like? Um, So hopefully I continue working with Cognity and the mission we're on with with education for many years to come. Um, Personally, I'm on a journey to really embrace all those things I'm talking about. It's of course easy for me to sit here and talk about being grateful and um, working with my thoughts, but it's so easy to slip back into old habits. So I'm actively trying to really change parts of my life in which I often fall into old habits or old styles of thinking. So I think, and I think that's a lifelong journey and it's one that I'm quite excited about because the potential is I think huge. Um, But I think the future, so I I have not set up any really clear goals or anything like that in the future. I'm just, my goal is in the future that I want to have for myself is one where I am able to implement all those things we talked about today. So having that learning mindset and having life be happening for me, not to me, and um, being able to approach it with, uh, with the power of the thoughts uh, really well harnessed and therefore being my sort of my help and my guide rather than my hindrance. So that's what the future holds for me, I'm hoping. Uh, but it will take a lot of work to to uh, to make sure it's in place. And what podcast, book, film, video, song or, or any resource has had the biggest impact on you and why was that? So, I mean, I'm going to talk about him again, but Tony Robbins has a great podcast that I listen to quite a lot where he touches on a lot of things that that I've talked about today. So I listen to that quite a lot. I listen to a lot of other personal growth um, uh, podcasts and and resources and read books. So people like Tim Ferriss uh, has a great podcast and also a couple of great books. He's written for our work week, for example, and Tools of Titans, where he's interviewed lots and lots of successful people to try to distill their habits into sort of bite-sized format. So 
And I listen to a lot of those things that have to do with personal growth because that is only your responsibility. And I find it very hard to work with otherwise unless I'm having that coach or mentor through the podcast format. And um, apart from that, I also do and listen to a lot of things when it comes to yoga and meditation, whereby I just find that to be a good forum to clear your thoughts in your head and sort of ground yourself again. And especially working with your ego that we touched upon before. But I think that finding places where you can balance out your ego a bit, and for me, that is podcasts about yoga or doing yoga even, is is a very useful resource for me. And what I, I love of this entire conversation is that, you know, we, we started talking about an, an ed tech company, essentially yeah. <laughs> um, providing things. But to, to hear the, you know, the story and the, the life understanding and the work that you're doing within an organization like that and then just seeing how that's filtering through into the sorts of products and the sorts of way that you're able to influence education I think is such a wonderful thing to hear um, mm. and and I think the positivity that comes out of all of those things and the fact that we can share it and talk about it rather than it just be something which you find or you do or you implement I think is is fantastic and, and that's the that's the exciting thing for me having created this podcast and, and actually chatting to everybody but I think it just opens that that whole door to the fact that as we talked about towards the beginning everything we learn is really important it's not about the facts it's the way we go about it it's the way we find these new podcasts or new books or things that we're doing which just opens up a whole world to us and I, I think it's a it's a really really exciting new way of being and to sort of communicate those things um in the person as well as to sort of the online technical side as well which is i, I think it's brilliant I agree. And I, I almost see, I mean, there's so much negativity surrounding the debate with schools today about lack of resources and teachers not being happy and wanting to leave the profession and students being under so much pressure when it comes to workload and well-being and um, university. St- I mean, th- there's so much negativity. And I rather want us to change the, the mindset again and think about there is so many opportunities. There's never been more opportunities in schooling than there is today. Um, and for us to become empowered learners, it's it's we have so many more opportunities now than we were than I had when I was in school, and especially when I compared to my parents, for example. So, I actually want to I sort of try to take responsibility for bringing a positive message to education, <laughs> an empowering one rather than a negative one, because I think it once again it's about mindset, and there's so many things we can do differently and positively if we all take sort of individual. Uh, responsibility and and open ourselves up to the opportunities. So I'm glad that that's come across today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's um it's a wonderful thing for us all all to hear, and and I hope everyone gets as much out of it as I have. It's been it's been a fantastic conversation. So if people want to find out more, what's the website? What's the the social that people can um, contact you on or, or find out more about what the your sort of day to day life is looking about? Yeah, so you can, of course, follow the company. So it's Cognity with a K, so K-O-G-N-I-T-Y dot com, uh, Cognity dot com. So that's, of course, about the company. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can just send me a message there. Uh, I'm sure you have my full name there in the, in the podcast bio. So just reach out there. Um, I'm all, I also have my, my email that you can send an email to. So I'm very open to having these conversations and, and seeing what people think. That's fantastic. Yeah. And if you go to the show notes of this podcast, if you go to educationonfire.com and just write Karen in the in the search bar, the whole of the show notes will come up with all the links that we've been talking about, which will be, um, be incredibly interesting for you to be able to just click through and, and, and explore more. So 
Um, thank you, Karen, for sharing your wisdom and allowing us to learn from your wonderful experiences. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Learning on Fire podcast. For more information, please visit educationonfire.com and follow the links from the homepage. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.